workshop. It's like, I think, 485. And, and some people have sticker shock. <laughs> like $485, really? Um, so what if I said, if you put $485 into your car right now, you'll prevent uh, uh, $2,000 or $3,000 or $5,000 repair a year from now? Would 485 sound too much? No. In fact, when I take my car into the repair, if they say it's 485, I thank God, right? Because <laughs> there's been often I've taken my car into repair and it's been a thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars or what may it be. <clears throat> and so, um, the couple that's coming to do this marriage retreat is the couple that wrote the program, and they're pastors at Bethel and Reading, and they only minister in the U.S. this workshop like uh, uh, like three or four times total per year. The rest of the time, they're traveling internationally, and we are really blessed to have them coming to Michigan. They will only come to a church, uh, from what I understand, once, and then after that, you, you, you have to reproduce it yourself. So this is like a one-time opportunity to get the highest caliber uh, ministers of this. There's other people that teach it, but we're getting the authors. We're actually getting the people that wrote the book on it. Barry, I can't remember his wife's name. Um, and so it's, it's a great opportunity. We are doing it at the Vandalia campus. Um, the, the facility down there actually lends itself really well. And frankly, it's only because of uh, Matt Stutzman, who is Jessica Yoder's, for those of you who know, Jessica Yoder and, uh, and Shanna Wagner's sister, uh, which they have like 1,400 of them. No. <laughs> I have no idea how many siblings they have, but they have a lot of siblings. All right. But, but one of them married Matt Stutzman, who I know we've been a... Matt's the brother. I'm sorry. Matt's the brother. Matt Stutzman, right, of course, their main name is Stutzman. So Matt's the brother, and he now pastors a church in, in Baltimore, Maryland, where Kathy and I have had the honor uh, of ministering there. And somehow he got to know, their, um, he knows Bill Johnson, and uh, he got to know these folks. They connected somehow. and So it's only because they're like, oh, you're Matt's uh, sister? Oh, okay, well, we'll make an exception. We'll come. Uh <clears throat> Uh, wait till they get here and see Vandalia. It's a, I can't wait to see their face. Like, where is Vandalia? <laughs> no, you're in the middle of it. <laughs> so it's a bit of a drive. You know, it's it's a 45-minute uh, drive from here. Uh, and it is Thursday, Friday, all day Saturday. Okay, and it's all day Thursday, all day Friday. So you might actually have to take a day off work. Okay. But this is for your marriage. And it includes meals. And it includes meals. And it is a ta- uh, really a very high caliber. And so, uh, in fact, <clears throat> uh, Israel and, and um, Jessica Yoder went to uh, Virginia, I think, to, to go to it. Many people travel across the country. A lot of people will go to Redding, California. And, of course, it costs more uh, to drive there or to fly there than, than the whole price of the package here. So I just want to give that word to encourage you. And now I need to uh, jump into the message. So I just feel I need to pray again. Can we pray again? Because I'm still dealing with jet lag. From Last week I was in Japan. It was a 14-hour difference. Uh, so uh, it takes a little time to get back on track. But I'm awake this morning, which is... Which is 
this is the this is the earliest I've been up all week. Okay. <laughs> all right, Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you for all the things, all the opportunities to plug in uh, in church, and and all the things that you're uh, uh, enabling us to strive after. We just pray that your grace would be um, present. Uh, this morning on the message that I would be able to communicate clearly what you put on my heart or that you would accomplish your will in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is the the final uh, section on our and the final month of taking a whole year to go through our core values on uh, the, the fire heart values. Father heart, intimacy, restoration, and extending the kingdom. And this month we're talking about building bridges. Um, so this last quarter has been on extending the kingdom of God. Uh, we talked for a month about being ambassadors, which is our identity as ambassadors for Christ, and breaking barriers, overcoming obstacles that prevent us from sharing the gospel, from sharing the message, from extending Christ's rule and reign in our lives as well as in our communities. And this last month we're talking about um, building bridges, which is creating opportunities to, to share the message and also to extend the, the rule and reign of Christ. Last week, Kathy Spalling uh, shared about um, sharing our, the gospel or connecting uh, with uh, family members. And, and for many of us, that's, that's the biggest obstacle you know, to overcome is once we're transformed um, to, to minister to family members of the gospel. And I thought she did a great job. She's actually preaching that right now down in Vandalia. <clears throat> but today I'm going to uh, turn the focus to, on Jesus, and, and really, um, the kingdom of God is all about Jesus. Obviously, the, the reason for the season, right? What's the reason for the season? Jesus! How'd you know that? You know. So, common phrase, you know, we see it on, on greeting cards and, 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 and things like that. But Jesus is really the reason for everything. Right, uh, he's the reason for everything uh, that uh, exists, and uh, the gospel is really all about Jesus. And maybe this is, you know, I was kind of worried this morning. I'm like, maybe this is just, maybe the whole point of my message is 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 too obvious. <laughs> but I'm going to share it anyway because I don't have any other notes. <laughs> so I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm jet lagged, okay? So <laughs> I don't even know what time it is. I don't know what day it is. Jesus built, we're talking about building bridges, connecting with our community, connecting with the lost, connecting with the world. And, um, you know, Jesus built the ultimate bridge from heaven to earth. And he did that in his own body when he came in the incarnation. And we're called to be like Christ, to be uh, Christians, Christ followers. And so if Jesus built the bridge, then we're called to be bridge builders as well. And we're called to live like Jesus. And the idea of a bridge, if again, you know, be simple and, and plain about this, is that it implies that there's two sides. Okay, that's the connecting two. I was going to draw a diagram or build a model, but I didn't have time. But it's connecting two sides, all right? <clears throat> and the gospel, I mean, one side would be the lost, right? Uh, if you have a bridge, if, if the whole idea is building a bridge, Jesus built a bridge from, from the heaven to earth. Uh, one side is, is the lost. But 
the gospel isn't just about the lost. And it's not just about the messengers. And, and it, if I were to have an illustration, you know, the bridge itself, the connecting point between the two sides would be the messengers. But if you have one side of a cliff and, you know, the rope or the material to build a bridge, but you don't connect to the other side, it's still useless, right? It just becomes a plank. <laughs> you walk off and fall. Uh, the main point about the gospel is that it connects to something, and what it connects to is Jesus Himself, the person of Jesus Christ. And 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 apart from that, if if what we preach, if what we communicate, if our message doesn't connect to Jesus, then we're not doing any good at all. All right, and understanding this, I think. Uh, changes our perspective, and this is really my goal or my hope for the message today is is to kind of shift our thinking and our perspective about the gospel and about sharing the message of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> you know, there's, there's one thing that that Christians and non Christians <clears throat> wholeheartedly agree on. And that's they they both hate evangelism. <laughs> Come on, you're supposed to laugh at that. Maybe I've told it too many times, <laughs> which is good. Maybe you remember it. Uh, <clears throat> and so we need to shift our understanding because I believe that if we have a biblical, if we have a kingdom-based understanding of evangelism or extending the kingdom of God. Uh, it gives us a reason to share that's that's bigger and better and more motivating. So right from the beginning, on just about every significant or really important element or aspect of the message of God can be found in the Genesis story. <laughs> it is the Genesis, the beginning, and so even in the Genesis story, we we find the gospel. God said to um, Eve, uh, after they had sinned, after Adam and Eve had broken uh, a relationship with God by disobeying the one rule, the one command that was given, the one opportunity that they had to prove or to demonstrate that they trusted God when He said, You can do anything you want, but just don't eat of this one tree. Uh, and they broke that that rule, and what they really did was they violated their relationship with God. They violated the trust. They didn't trust God, and in doing so, they sinned. But this is this is after that, and this is part of the consequences or the the after effect of that fall or that sin. There's many things, but in this part, in verse 15, it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's speaking actually here uh, to the serpent who was used and, and represents the devil um, uh, who deceived Eve into taking of the fruit and Adam willfully took of it. And so God is speaking here actually to the, the serpent. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Okay, and so this part of, of God's response to Adam and Eve's fall 
has in it, I think they call it the proto-gospel. Is Leonard here? Leonard's done some study. Any seminarians here? If I remember correctly, they call this the proto-gospel, which is like the, 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 the beginning of the prototype of the gospel, that even in God's response, even in the curse, as it were, there is the, the, the hint of a promise that He, the seed of the woman, will bruise or crush the head of the serpent, the deceiver. Uh, okay, and and you, the serpent, shall bruise his heel, and so bruising a heel is not a mortal wound, right? right. You get a bruising, but if your head gets crushed, you're done. Yep. Okay. Yep. Now Jesus did die on the cross, but it wasn't mortal because he was immortal. Okay, so he suffered genuine death, but because of his uh, his his divine nature, he death. And because he was, lived a sinless life, death had no power over him. So even though Satan gave him uh, you know, uh, all he had, all Satan had, it wasn't enough to keep Jesus down. And in that, Jesus crushed the head of Satan. So right from the beginning, the, the promise is that the seed of the woman, the offspring of Eve, would one day crush the head of the deceiver. And then that, that that promise is played out throughout all of scripture, okay? And, and it's just wonderful when you when you study and understand the the Genesis story how the promises of God are 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 put in place and then played out or implemented over many, many centuries, over thousands of years. We see it again in the covenant uh, with Abraham in Genesis 22:18. another very important verse. This is God speaking with Abraham, and he says, In your seed all nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. <clears throat> this is God speaking with Abraham after he was willing to offer up his only son, Isaac, on an altar. And, uh, and the story goes, if you're not familiar with it, him and his wife had wanted a child for many, many years. <clears throat> and uh, we all love children. <laughs> and, uh, and the child, uh, young Isaac, uh, was just coming of age. I think he was only 12 or 13. And, and God challenged Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, his only son. The fulfillment of the promise of having a son and having someone to, to carry on his lineage on an altar. And so Abraham obeyed. But at the last moment, God stopped him because he saw that Abraham was willing to, to give up what he valued most. And it was a demonstration of his trust and his faith in the person and the promise of God and as a response, God speaks this powerful word. says, In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Now, Paul actually gives us a teaching based on that verse. And we find this in, in Galatians. So the writer of most of the New Testament actually tells us what that verse 
in Genesis is speaking about very specifically. And in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, he addresses it. This is Paul writing to the church in Galatia. It says, "...in the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, "...in you all the nations shall be blessed." And so the first part, place in the Scripture that the Gospel, the good news, is mentioned is not in, in the New Testament. It's not in Matthew. Alright? It's in Genesis <laughs> to Abraham. Alright? So the Gospel was actually preached before the law. Alright? Before Moses was given the Ten Commandments, God had preached the gospel, and He'd laid the foundation of the gospel even earlier than that when He was speaking to Adam and Eve and the, and the serpent in the garden. And so from the very beginning of humanity, the promise or the gospel was, was clearly, well, it wasn't clearly, it was, it was spoken, it was planned, and it, God actually was unraveling it and displaying it. And so the gospel was preached to Abraham. And the gospel, the good news, is that in Abraham's seed, which is a descendant of Eve's seed, that in all the nations of the earth would be blessed. <clears throat> he goes on and talks about it a little more in verse 13. It says, Now to Abraham and, bless you, and his seed were the promises made. So who was the promise made to? Abraham, Abraham and his seed. Okay? He does not say, and to seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. Now this, I believe, is a very significant verse that a lot of Christians and a lot of theologians overlook. I've actually read some commentaries that kind of disparage Paul's point here, thinking that they understand the original meaning better than Paul, who God happened to choose to write the New Testament. And, you know, if it's between Paul and a modern-day theologian, I'm going to side with Paul. <laughs> okay. So what, what was God saying back in, in Genesis? Well, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, points out that it's important here that the word used was a singular word, that it was to Abraham's seed and not seeds. Well, what's the difference between that? That it was speaking of a specific person, a specific descendant, and not just all descendants. And so I do believe that there's a special place in the, in the story of God, in the plan of God, for the descendants of Abraham in the natural. But the promise was made to a particular one, which is Jesus Christ. Alright? Is this making sense? But the promise was the, the, the seed that was referred to when God was speaking to the serpent in Genesis was a single seed. In other words, a single individual would come as the deliverer. The seed in the promise given to Abraham was the single one, the Messiah who would come. And through that one descendant, all the nations would be blessed. And the promise was to the seed, okay, to that descendant. The promise was to Christ. Right? The promise of the gospel 
This is where I hope the shift happens in your mind and, is, and has been brought to my attention over the course of this year, and I'm trying to emphasize it, is that the promise isn't just to the lost, okay? That someday a Savior would come. Now, that's important, right? But the promise wasn't made like God didn't announce to the whole world, hey, I'm going to send a Savior. I mean, He, he does talk about the Savior, but the promise is actually to the Savior, not the ones being saved. Huh, interesting. Yeah, it is very interesting. It actually changes everything. In the words spoken to Eve, and in the words spoken to the, uh, Abraham, the promise is to the seed, the one who is to come, which is the Messiah, which is Jesus Christ. The promise was that he would crush Satan's head, right? and that he would be a blessing to all nations. Now, the, the fulfillment of that is a promise to all people if they receive it. And in other places, that is spoken. Uh, and it's obvious that God's going to bring a Redeemer. But the promise was to the Redeemer. Right? That He was going to crush the head of the deceiver. That He was going to rule the whole world. And that He was going to be a blessing to, the whole, to every nation. Well, let's look and see if we can find this made more clear in other places. And we can. Lots of other places. We're going to look at just a couple. In Psalm chapter 2, it says, I will declare the decree. This is um, the psalmist uh, David uh, prophesying. The Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Everyone agrees, even back in David's time, that this was a prophetic statement concerning the Messiah that was to come. Alright, that was going to deliver God's people. The King of Kings, the, the promised one that, that all of Israel had waited for. And, and at this point, when this song was written, it was proclaiming something about the Messiah's reign. And in this, God is actually speaking to the Messiah, saying, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. I will give you the nations for your inheritance, the ends of the earth for your possession. It's a promise to Jesus. Okay? The Father is making a promise to Jesus. So where are we in this dialogue? Yeah. We're the inheritance. We're the nations. All right. <laughs> God's not making us a promise. Right? We're kind of like on the sidelines. God's talking to his son, saying, Son, I'm going to give you the whole world. All right? Now we will benefit from that. Well, we need to understand this is a promise. To Jesus. Okay? Let's read it another place. In uh, Psalm twenty-two, twenty-seven, it says, All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's and He rules over the nations. Wow! I love this. I love this on a lot of levels. One, I love it that it says that all the families of the nations. You know, God is a family God. God really likes families. Okay? 
He created humans to live in families. And God wants to redeem every family in every nation. Right? But this promise is actually to the Messiah. That every family or people from every lineage, that means every, every people group, every uh, descendancy, God is going to redeem someone from them so that there is a representation of every family line from every nation on earth would worship the Messiah. Alright? For the kingdom is the Lord's and He rules over the nations. Now when this was written, Israel was actually in one of its high points. It was a, it was a major nation, but it was still a tiny little nation compared to Egypt or Assyria. Okay, they were prophesying something grandiose, bigger than than the this prophet knew. They didn't even know how big the world was, right? But in this, saying all the nations of the whole earth are going to worship the Messiah. In Isaiah, another place, it it makes this promise really clear. It says, indeed, he says, God says, it's too small of thing. Uh, this is quoted in the New Testament as well. It's too small of thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Listen, this is one of the, there's, 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 a, there's a few places in Scripture where we actually get to listen into uh, inter-Trinitarian communication. <clears throat> we hack into the network of the Godhead, alright? And we, and we read their emails. <laughs> and here God is messaging His Son and saying, it's too small of a thing for you just to be the Savior of the natural descendants of Abraham, which would be what we call the Jews. Alright? God's saying, that's, that's, that's too small. You're bigger than that. Well, He says, I'm going to give you as a light to the Gentiles. And that means every other, every other lineage, every other people group. So, Indians, Japanese, uh, uh, you know, Scandinavians, Germans, thank God. <laughs> Arabs, Palestinians, right? Uh, Africans, uh, Native Americans, First Nations, whatever you want to call it. Every people group. Aztecs, Peruvians, you name it. You're going to be the light to the whole world. And that was a promise not to the whole world. That was a promise to Jesus. Okay? The whole world benefits, but we must understand it's a promise to Jesus. It's a promise that His, His reign would rule over the whole earth. So it shifts, and the whole purpose of this, this message is to shift our understanding of the focus and the motivation of the gospel from the lost to actually the king. Because if the gospel was a promise to King Jesus, then that, that's where the emphasis should be. And we need to understand that aspect of the gospel. I'm not saying that we shouldn't, or that we should be less seeker-minded. 
Okay? In other words, I'm not saying in any way, and don't, don't contort this message to say that, oh, this, that, uh, what pastor is saying is that we don't need to be sensitive and communicate the gospel in ways that people understand. <laughs> Which to me is just ridiculous. Of course we want to communicate the gospel in ways people understand. Don't we? <laughs> right? Isn't, didn't Jesus come down to our level? Yeah. And he spoke in words that we, you know, stories, and he, he acted things out so that we could understand. So, so we are to minister like Jesus ministered. He came to serve. So we are called to serve the lost. Alright? Just like Jesus served the lost. Die for them if we have to. Okay? So I'm not saying in any way that this lessens the significance of being uh, uh, mindful of the lost in how we present the gospel. But what I am saying is that the reason or our motivation for building those bridges and reaching the lost must be the promise made to the Messiah, must be the promise of what the gospel really means. This, This is what the gospel is really all about. Okay, this is the real value of the gospel, is that it's about the rule and the lordship, the reign of King Jesus. Okay, and that really does change everything. Jesus actually makes the same point when he gives us the great commission. He says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's our great commission. That's what we're called to do. But the reason that we're were given that commission is because all authority had been given to Jesus. We go because. Go therefore. Why do we go? Because people are lost? No, because Jesus Christ has been given all authority. Does that make a difference? Alright? It's because of the person of Jesus Christ. Because of who He is and His attributes. Because of that, we are now sent to the lost, to the nations. Nothing else is required and anything else actually only distracts us. Okay? Nothing else other than the authority that has been given to Christ is required for us to be the messenger of the Gospels. Of the Gospel. Alright? And if we mix anything else into that, it actually just distracts us. We don't preach the Gospel because people are perishing. Think about that for a little. So, you know, you don't go, Oh, I need to love the lost more so that I preach the Gospel. And I would say, No, you don't. You need to understand who Jesus is more. Then you'll preach the Gospel. You see the difference there? Alright? We preach the gospel because Christ is king. Not just because people are lost, but because Christ is king. We don't preach the gospel based on the needs of the people. All people need Jesus. They need the love of Jesus. Yeah, that's true. But more important than that is the person of Christ. Jesus deserves the worship of every man, woman, and child on planet earth. Jesus deserves the worship of every man, woman, and child in Kalamazoo County. It just It's His right. And I am His representative to communicate that right to every man, woman, and child. All right? And so, my preaching the Gospel is not people-centric, but Christ-centric. 
Alright? I'm communicating to them, hey, this is true about Jesus. So we talk more about Jesus than we talk about the lost. To the lost. Alright? And our, our, our gospel will be more effective and we'll have a much better motivation uh, and, and a better objective. <clears throat> When people's needs override the place of Christ, it actually leads us to compromising the message and ultimately rendering it useless. When people's needs override uh, the place of Christ, then we start to... And we see this constantly in the church. You see, I just actually read an article yesterday. I was going to say this, but... How many remember Rob Bell? Yeah. Really? Only five or six of you? <laughs> huh? Morris Hill in Grand Rapids. Uh, he, you know, big, huge church. <clears throat> Giant church grew really big. Everywhere in the world I'd went, I'd go, I'm from Michigan. They go, do you know Rob Bell? <laughs> yeah, I know Rob Bell. <laughs> yeah, I met him before he was famous. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a smart guy. <laughs> I just read an article. He doesn't even go to church now. <clears throat> he surfs. You know, and it's like wow, and 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 really, what I think happened is that he, he so wanted to make the the gospel relevant. I'm not, I can't speak for Rob Bell. I mean, I still have a lot of respect for him. He's still brilliant, uh, and he's not the end of the he's, the story's not over. The kid's only 44. <laughs> we'll see what happens. All right, uh, but he so wanted to reach the lost that he ended up, you know. We don't really need to talk about hell, and it's okay if you know if you if you live in uh, things that the Bible says is you know totally destructive. You know, it's just just Jesus loves you, and and that to me that's moving the focus of the gospel from Jesus the King to the needs of the lost. And when that happens, everything gets gets mixed up. We lose the priority. All right, I got. I run over. I want to get this next verse. The application of this verse uh, we find in in First Peter. Chapter 3, it says, But in your hearts, set aside, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you uh, to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this uh, with gentleness and respect. By the way, I just want to challenge, challenge you. <clears throat> There's only a couple of verses in the whole New Testament that say anything about evangelism. Did you know that? <clears throat> Study your Bible. <clears throat> Would you consider reading it? <laughs> Walt Berger. Glory to God. <clears throat> I can do it. I can do it. So, except the next day I can't talk. <laughs> but, I realized, I think it was this year, maybe last year, but I realized, you know what? We're always talking about evangelism, but the Bible hardly ever talks about evangelism. I'm telling you, read through the New Testament, see how many verses, highlight in one particular color, how many verses specifically talk about communicating the message of Jesus Christ to the lost. There are a few. All right. Well, this is one of them. And, and uh, from the New Living uh, Translation says, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. What is the emphasis in this verse? Christ. Yeah! To me, it, 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 it's blaringly obvious that we're to worship Christ as Lord. 
And so Jesus as Christ, and the Lordship of Jesus, and the worship of Jesus, that comes first, and as a, as a result of that, or as the fruit of that, we are ready to give an answer for the fact that we're different. Why are we different? Because we worship Christ. We set us apart Christ in our life. The Lordship of Christ is evident in our life. And because of that, people are going to say, why? Why are you different? Alright? And we need to be ready. In other words, we need to be able to say, this is what... And that readiness is explaining the gospel in meaningful ways. Not ways that don't make sense to the non-Christian, all right, or the uh, 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 person disconnected from Christ. So lordship comes first, worship comes uh, first, and that produces the fruit of sharing the gospel. And we share with everyone, not based on their need, but on Jesus' worth. Who do you share the gospel with? Really? Do you? I don't. But that's my goal. That's what we're called to, Right? Don't don't uh, uh, don't uh, pre-qualify. Don't look at somebody and say, "Well, I'm not going to preach the gospel." They're doing really well. You don't know what's going on in their heart. You don't know if the doctor just told them yesterday you have six months to live, or your wife has six months to live, or your kid has six months to live. You don't know what's going on in their heart, and it doesn't really matter because you preach the gospel not based on what's going on in their heart, but based on who Jesus is. Okay? You share regardless of your condition. Not based on your worthiness. Not based on how much you know. Okay? So it doesn't matter if they ask you a question that you don't know the answer. That doesn't... It just doesn't fit into the the calculation. Alright? You know? Because you're not there to prove how smart you are. Or to answer all their questions. Yeah! Our response shouldn't uh, be... uh, uh, the response of people shouldn't affect our zeal and willingness to share. Okay, so if people say no, that's okay. In fact, I just heard uh, while I was in Japan, uh, Dennis shared with me this uh, preacher that he listens to, and the church has grown, uh, uh, just rocketed in growth because the pastor says, you know, go out there and get 40 no's. You know, if you get 40 people to say no, chances are you won't. You invite 40 people to come to church, you're going to get somebody to come to church. You invite 40 people to sit down and read the Bible, one of them is going to say, yeah. And then you have to start over again. (laughs) You have 38, and one says yes. Then you do it, then you study the Bible with them or pray with them, and then you start, then you go for 40. You understand what I mean? All right. We'd save the whole generation of every Christian did that. Um, share because you love Jesus, not because of the person you're sharing with. <laughs> That's right, man. You, there's some people who's like, I don't really, I don't really want them in heaven because they'd be with me. <laughs> yeah, heaven's big. You don't have to live next door to them. <laughs> share is an act of worship, not duty. Okay, so our response is. As, uh, I'm going to let uh, uh, um, this guy Bill here come up and do the response. <laughs> Give him a hand. All right, so let's take a minute to respond to the message this morning. I don't know what you heard. I heard that uh, Jesus is King, the promises to Him, and that uh, serving Him is what it's about when we extend the kingdom. So. 
Why don't we take a second and do that? Would you stand up with me? Let's, uh, let's worship Jesus. Let's share with Him that we are committed to serve Him, you know, to, to follow Him in every way, to um, see His promise fulfilled and to be a part of that. So if you don't know Jesus already, um, starting a relationship with Him, becoming a follower of Jesus is simple. It says in Romans, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. Uh, That's how we start following Jesus. And then it's a lifelong adventure after that. Um, So if you've never done that, you know, just take a posture of prayer, whatever that is for you, you know, and say... um, God, I believe Jesus is who He said He was. I confess that He's my Lord and Savior. I want to follow Him. I believe, God, that You raised Jesus from the dead. And I want to be a part of this promise You made to Your Son, Jesus. That He'd be a blessing to all nations. That He would have that as His inheritance. I want to be a part of that. I want to follow You. I want to have a great adventure with a Father God who loves me. I believe you are who you said you were. You know, and if you just said that or if you've said that a long time ago and been following the adventure, let's just refocus on Jesus, on God. Yeah. Instead of focused on me or what's wrong with me or what I need to fix, you know, we've had sections of the year talking about that, but now let's focus on Jesus. You know, pray in your own words for a minute. I'm going to be quiet and let you pray. But pray something like this. Jesus, it's all about you. I look at you. I put my eyes on you. I serve you. I want to be a bridge connecting others to you. Jesus, you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy to be worshipped, to have every knee bow and every tongue confess that you're Lord. Because you're worthy of that, I'll share the good news of who you are and what you've done. Transform my mind, transform my heart to view things properly. And help me to speak, open up my mouth and share this good news this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Thanks for responding to the message with me. I appreciate it. Um, With that, we're going to wrap up service. The prayer team will be available to you on this side of the stage. You know, if you became a follower of Jesus for the first time this morning, please come and pray with somebody. Um, If anything else, part of worship or the message struck you and you want to follow up, the greatest first step is to pray with somebody. Share what you are experiencing and let them encourage you in prayer. Uh, the Rama ministry team will be available on this side of the stage. These are people who have been trained to pray with you, to hear what they feel God wants to encourage you with this morning. Share that with you. It will be recorded and you can take it with you as you study the Bible and, and, and submit that word to the word and, of, of the gospel and, and the counselors that are in your life, the people you trust.